Hey guys, so here I am, home away from home, which is my tractor cab. We are back at it at planting. This is the Drylander Podcast. I do appreciate you, you know, listening. If I'm a little loud, it's because I had to put my headphones in because for whatever reason today, my ears are just, they kind of feel plugged. So I thought maybe putting the headphones on might make things sound better. I don't know. So if I'm too loud, I apologize. Because I might get a little excited here later on when we start talking about a few topics. But uh, quick quick farm update. Let's get that out of the way like usual. Honestly, I'll be real with you. I cannot remember the last episode I did. kind of think we were done with wheat harvest, but I have to go back and listen. I'm terrible about that. <clears throat> anyway, we are now done with swathing wheat. Swathing wheat. Oh, my goodness. Swathing millet. We have laid down all our prozo millet. Two of the fields we probably could have been chasing at the combine two days after we swathed it, but we didn't have that luxury. Um, semis were tied up with seed wheat. We were trying to get the air seeder going. Honestly, we probably could have had a little more planted had we jumped in and started planting just a little, you know, a few days sooner. We were just real hesitant. It was hot. It was supposed to be hot for a while longer. The last time we panicked and jumped in and planted a bunch of wheat in August, it was like August 25th when we got out there, you know, because we were afraid we were going to lose all our moisture. So we got out there. The majority of that wheat that year, winter killed. It got so big that fall because it turned out to be a very mellow fall. Um, it, it just, it was a disaster. I love this air seeder, but it's got some electrical gremlins. Um, anyway, so we decided to wait, even though we knew we were probably sacrificing moisture by the day. But that heat was just really weighing on us. We saw, you know, like coming up, you know, there was going to be a cool down period. And traditionally, this is how we plant. We gauge when to start planting. Traditionally, August is always hot. Okay. August is always hot. But then, you have like one last kind of intense week of heat. And it's usually sometime at the end of August, first full week of September, you know, sometime there between August 25th and September 5th. Traditionally, it seems like anyway, we have an intense week of heat and then bam, like two weeks of 80 degree or less weather. That's when we jump in and start planting. Same thing happened this year. It just, you know, the moisture factor in the ground was a lot different. Because while we have good sub-moisture, we do. You know, we've had 18 and a half, well now 19 and a half inches of rain, because we had an inch of rain here about a week ago across most of the farm. One spot's a little less, two spots are about an inch and a quarter. But still, we uh, got the sub-moisture. But that top three, three and a half inches, it's dried out substantially in some of these fields. Now, you know how it is. If it's really wet under something, but it starts to dry out, and you like, you know, out in the yard, put a board over it, and come back the next day, you know, it's all wet again. And it's kind of the same thing when it rains like this. You get a good even rain, soaked, because it was a nice gentle rain. It wasn't like a hard pounding that was going to run off everywhere. It was a soaker. So it soaked right in. 
which helped draw up some of that moisture from down below. Now we got like perfect moisture so far. And it's gonna go down a little because now we're warming back up for this week. We're supposed to be like upper 80s, low 90s, off and on you know, every day for the next five days. Not ideal, but you know, it is what it is. We also have a couple chances of rain sprinkled in towards the end of the week, so that's nice. But, uh, so we got, we got the seven quarters that had good moisture to get weed up planted. Then we decided to park the drills and see if it rained. If it didn't rain, we were going to pull the drills out about an inch and just dust everything in just to get over acres and be done. Well, we got that rain. We had to wait a few days. Now we're back at it. So if everything works right, sometime either Wednesday evening or Thursday around noon, we'll be done planting and I can finally get on over the mountain. But, you know, I, I got it. I got help after school, so I'm kind of tossing this idea around of today after school, having two of my boys run some equipment to a field when they get home from school. And then maybe tomorrow after school, have one of them come just start running the combine. You know, he can fill everything up until, uh, you know, either it gets dark or he gets stuff full and he can go home. And then the next day, you know, off go empty stuff and then you can come back that afternoon and do it again yeah it's not efficient i i get it but i got to get this wheat in the ground and the millet needs picked up and i've got one maybe three maybe as many as three of our five quarters of corn we could be running a combine through so a lot of things hitting at once unfortunately my dad's not here he's off in alaska with one of my brothers up there in the arctic circle hunting caribou and you're probably like, well, that was dumb. Well, time out. Okay, again, in a traditional year, this is the 18th. They left on like the 13th, I think. But a traditional, yeah, it's like nine years out of 10, even eight years out of 10, if you want to be, you know, realistic. We're done planting wheat by about the 14th. So in a normal year, he would have left me you know, by myself, like the last two, maybe three days of planting wheat. And then in a normal year, <clears throat> the millet wouldn't have been this far advanced. And, you know, I'd be just now thinking, I should probably go start sampling millet. And he was, he's going to get back, like, I think Friday or something. So he really wouldn't have missed much. He wouldn't have left me on my own for much. I would have been running around this last week after I had the combine ready and the corn head ready, which we had to do a little bit of rebuilding that. That was fun. Uh, but I've been running around sampling stuff to see which was going to be ready first, corn or millet. I might have done a little bit of last minute spring, but probably not because we want to let the wheat come up and get a little big, and then we're going to run over, hopefully, if we have time, run over the wheat with some ally and 240 to ding that bind weed one last time and hopefully get a good residual out. I'm really looking at doing some other residuals in the spring, but we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, so in a normal year, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But this has been anything but a normal year. You know, we had the super late wheat harvest, had all the rain, things looked glorious. Then we had five weeks, four weeks, whatever you call it, of intense heat, no relief. It's just, it's been a weird year, you know? And we could have made the executive decision of keeping the air studio rolling. Like I said, you know, we're planted a few days earlier, started, and we'd be almost done, and it's all been a non-issue, but we did it, and this is what it is. So, that's your farm update. 
few more days to plant wheat, then, you know, millet, corn. I swear I got a milo field that's ready to sample. I know it's not. It, there's no possible way it can't be. But it has been bronze or red, whatever you want to call it now, for the better part of three weeks. I kid you not. And yeah, around the edges, you can still see some green heads. And I know it's not ready. I almost bet if I walked out 100 feet into the field, 200 feet into the field, grabbed a handful of berries, none of them are going to be snapped. They'll be, they're not going to be mush, you know, but they're not going to be hard. So thankfully it's Milo. Milo is going to stay there for a long time. There's no rush in the Milo. Millet will actually stay there for a long time too, <clears throat> but should it rain again, the last thing you want is that millet somehow start sprouting in the head. It's just, yeah. So we'll focus on the millet. That should go fairly quickly, about four days. All kind of depends on, again, how we actually get to harvest. That's just one of my sons, you know, running for a couple hours every day after school. Or if it's actually me, excuse me, getting the planning done and then running all day anyway. So there's your update. <clears throat> it took a little longer than I anticipated, you know. But now let's get to the meat of what I want to talk about today. Now I warned you guys about this. This would not always be a farming podcast. Okay. There'd be other topics that we were going to discuss, we're going to bring up that you might turn off the podcast and go, dude, what the heck are you doing? And you know, that's fair. I respect that. You don't want to listen to it. That's fine. Hit that off button right now. But I got to say, I am super excited, super excited that my Colorado Buffaloes are 3-0. and That's right, baby. 3-0. and Okay. After like, I don't know, 20 crappy years, I got a team now that is glorious, glorious to watch. Yes, we did have that one good year under McIntyre. Mel Tucker showed promise, but couldn't get his stuff together. And then he left in the middle of the night because he pretty much got paid what uh, the whole athletic department's budget was at CU at the time. <clears throat> so you know, the dude ran for money. But, oh my goodness, it's been a long time, guys. Long time. Okay, it's not been 20 years. But, let's face it. <clears throat> McIntyre, largely a bust. He had the one good year. He caught lightning in a bottle. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's just been brutal since Barnett left. You know, Barnett had his own issues. Okay. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He should have got his, his house in order, so to speak. You know, should have had a better eye on what the heck recruits and recruiting visits were actually doing. Then there was that whole crappy nonsense about, hey, Here's an idea. Let's put a girl on the team to be the kicker in a room full of 85 super hormonal boys. Yeah, that's a great idea. Anyway. Anyway. Bad decisions on his part. Doomed his coaching, you know, tenure. Yeah, they had some bad years there at the end. But he was still playing good ball. Yeah, he had those guys paired most most Saturdays. 
but the writing was on the wall, so he was out. And you had Hawkins. Hawkins was a disaster. Hawkins was prime without backing it up. Okay? He could talk the talk, he couldn't back it up. Okay, that might not be an apt comparison. Hawkins did, a, his jaw did a lot of moving. Okay? <clears throat> and I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. After the Cody Hawkins, Dan Hawkins, you know, head coach, son, being the quarterback, seeing Shadur Sanders come in as quarterback, there was a lot of like, Oh, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? But if anybody would have watched any film of Shadur at Jackson State, you'd have been like, oh, this dude is legit. Okay? <laughs> the dude is legit. Then you watch the spring games, spring practices. Woo! Raced all down. Now we're three games in. My one and only complaint. My only complaint on the kid. Yeah, I have two complaints. Well... My one big complaint is he holds the ball a little too long at times. He's always looking for this receiver. So he's going through his progressions, maybe not as quick as some guys do. But he's not wanting to give up on the play is what it looks like to me. <clears throat> you know, it's looked like he's going, hey, I got a pocket. They're going to protect me. I got read one. I got read two. And then sometimes it's like, oh, and there he goes. Instead of a lot of quarterbacks would go, and I got read one. Read, no, this is all covered. Let's just run. And I, I get it. I get why he doesn't want to just, you know, cut bait and run. You know, the dude's got some legs, though. Use them, you know. That's my only real complaint. My other complaint is he's going to be gone after this year. I mean, let's be real. If you were him, would you stick around for one more year? I mean, let's just say he has a phenomenal season, which he's already got three games in, and like crap ton of yards, one interception, I think, ten touchdowns. Dude is an early favorite to win the Heisman. I mean, as long as he keeps this up, even if they lose, say, five games, four games, four or five games, but his stats don't really fall off, dude's winning the Heisman. Or you should. At that point, you're making, like, a couple million already in NIL. Why would you come back for a senior year? I mean, this is, this is football, you know. You can be on the mountaintop today, and then you decide to come back your senior year, blow out your knee, whoop, NFL's gone. You go from a first-round pick to a third or fourth-round pick. Or, you know, something could happen. I don't know. If I was in his shoes and I had a great year and I won the Heisman, I, I don't know if I'd come back. So those are my two one complaints from the kid. Young man, I should say. Young man. He is... Oh, he's a breath of fresh air. And it sucked. It really, really sucked. On that dirty-ass cheap shot, that CSU Rams player on Travis Hunter. And you cannot tell me it was not dirty. All right, I'll fight you right now on it. I mean, I might be a homer. There's a whole bunch of people out there in the sporting community that will agree with me on this one. That was a cheap-ass shot. No other way around it. I mean, from the moment... Number 11, his name was Blackburn. The moment he knew that ball was headed towards Hunter, he stopped watching the ball. The freaking idiot stopped watching the ball. The thing almost hit him in the head because all he wanted to do was lay Hunter out. He wanted to shut up Hunter. Because Hunter was talking trash pregame, so was CSU. Okay? That's one thing I love about 
prime. Prime is prime. Dion gonna Dion. You're not gonna stop him from doing it. In fact, uh, CU's AD, Rick George, he told Dion, I don't want you not to be you. I'm hiring you to be you. I need you to be you. I need you to be prime. Which Dion was like, well, that's good because yeah, I got no other way I can do it. <laughs> but Dion's Dion, you know? He's going to talk it. He's going to walk it. He's going to back it up. You know? And he's been doing it since high school. He's got his kids empowered. He's just, oh, he's exactly what CU needs. Would he stay at CU long term? Probably not. I'm guessing three, maybe four years. I'd honestly be surprised if he was there longer than three years. I would. But uh, we'll see. But anyway, that was a cheap-ass shot. Because that ball gets launched. As soon as he sees us going to Hunter, and, you know, Hunter and the other kid, which, you know, everyone seems to forget who the other kid was, they get all tangled up, you know, and it's clear Hunter's not catching this ball. Okay? It's clear. Does number 11 care? No. Like I said, the ball dang near hits him in the head because he's not looking at the ball anymore. He's just looking at Hunter. If he just would have put his eyes up on the ball, he could have INT'd Shadur. I bet you, I bet you, that kid could have taken it back 30, 40 yards at least because there was no one else for CU on that side of the field. Anyway, dang near gets hit in the head. Hunter and the other kid are slowing it up. This guy's got to step around his own teammate and then launch himself back into Hunter. That's cheap-ass, dirty-ass play. Okay? And don't even bring up Shadur's irate, attempted irate thing. No. Because if you watch that whole clip, not just the Shadur part, but Kamara was trying to get under Shadur's helmet first, knocks his hand away, so then Shadur does it right back to him. Okay? It was chippy. Everyone was under everyone's skin. You know, you had coaches... Mostly the one coach from CSU talking trash, which why do people keep giving Coach Prime ammunition? Why? Now, CU came out flat, okay? This is an undeniable fact. Undeniable fact. CSU was ready. They came out the gate swinging a 10-pound sledgehammer, and they weren't taking prisoners. CU came out the gate swinging a five-ounce ball-peen hammer, thinking they were going to knock over a cupcake. CSU, two weeks to prepare for this game, two games of film to watch. CU had one game where CSU got embarrassed to watch film on. CSU did a much better job game planning against CU than the other way around. I mean, CU came out flat for two and a half to three quarters. You can't, can't deny it. And my goodness, could we not stop a crossing route? Oh my goodness. So embarrassing. Anybody that's played Madden? Scissor cross. Big tight end set. Was it a big tight end set? Might have been an ace set. Two single receivers. Big line. Single back. Guys just crossed right there behind the line of scrimmage. Or right in front of them. That's all CUSU was doing to us. It's like, you know, they've now ran this play 9,000 times. Here's an idea. Put someone on him a man. 
stop this zone crap where they're just running right there because the linebacker's playing off them. Oh, my goodness. You can see it. From the moment the receiver took a step, you're like, crossing route. Yep, sure enough. Crossing route. Number 14, I think it was. Can't think of his name right now for CSU. Guy had like a million receiving yards on us. Yeah, I mean, CSU as a whole, not a great football team. CSU that game, they looked like a top 25 team because they were just balling. They were hanging it all out, balls to the wall. They had nothing to lose. CU had everything to lose. It was almost a TCU thing all over again, <clears throat> just with the shoe on the other foot. You know, we were 20, what, three-point favorite? We went down to TCU as a 21-point underdog. Now, I'll admit, I thought it was a long shot we'd start the season 3-0. I did. Because I did not know how well we'd come out against TCU. I'm not going to sit there and say I knew we'd win it. I knew we would come out and play a good game. Because there was no way Prime was going to come out and be embarrassed his first game out of that. No way. No way was it going to happen. He was going to have those boys lit and ready to go like a powder cake. And they were so I was 50-50 on that game. Nebraska, I had us beat Nebraska because Nebraska is a dumpster fire. Okay, Nebraska is still CU after they left the Big 12. Okay, They just are. They can't seem to get their stuff together. I don't know what's going on up there. Honestly, I think Rule will figure it out. I think he will. He figures out his quarterback. I mean, that Sims guy was just trash his first two games. It's like six quarters, seven turnovers or something like that. Maybe the kid will do better. I don't know. But right now, their quarterback is trash. CSU, I pegged as a win. Oregon and USC, I'm just, I'm praying. Not night and day. Maybe I should be. I'm just praying we can split those two. It would be, oh my goodness. Could you imagine the hysteria? There's hysteria around the program right now. We were 3-0. I mean, look at last week. It was almost the embarrassment level factor. You had like five television shows on campus. One of them wasn't even a sports show. It was, you know, 60 Minutes. You had all these celebrities that were there. You had The Rock in the locker room at halftime. Pre-game, you had all these rappers on the sideline. We're like Miami's 1980. That's almost what we are, okay? Hopefully we can be like Miami and win a title. But it's, it was at the embarrassment level, all the, all the circus that was going on Saturday. But can you imagine? Can you just imagine if they somehow were to beat both Oregon and USC, even if it came down to like a last-second field goal in both games? Could you imagine the hysteria? It would be off the charts. Okay, you'd have to get armed protection for the team. Okay, maybe it wouldn't be quite that bad, but you get what I'm saying. You know, if CU, who won one game a year ago, one game, and at one game, we got, let's be honest, we played UNC, not North Carolina, no, University of Northern Colorado. Ugh, but yeah. Could you imagine if they went into Eugene, Oregon, and beat the Ducks. 
we'd pretty much flip-flop in ratings, probably. And that, that's something. I saw some guys today, they're like, Colorado was 18th, now they're 19th? Uh, well, yeah, we didn't play like a good team, okay? You know, if it wasn't for Shadur doing some magic there at the end, honestly, yeah, I'm fine with it. We're... We're a top 20 team. We're not a top 15 team. Okay? There's a difference, in my opinion. But yeah, if we were to somehow beat Oregon, we'll flip spots or come close to it. That puts us in the top 15. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Cow Herd on the Herd, he talked about this too. He's just like, can you imagine? Just imagine if CU goes in Beats Oregon. Then you got CU 4-0 versus USC at 4-0 at home. National television. You're going to have Super Bowl-like ratings. It's going to be off the charts. It's going to be off the charts anyway. You know, because at worst, we're going to be 3-1. and one. Okay? Now, it'll be a difference if that 3-1 and one comes because it's like a 45-22 loss. Or if it's, you know, a 31-28 loss or win, it's going to matter. My goodness, it is great to be a Buffs fan because it has been just utter despair since about 2007-2008. We had the one bright year with McIntyre. And the guy just couldn't get it together for anything else. <clears throat> but yeah, no, this is the first year also. Also, this is the first year I've actually been able to watch the first three games of the season. Mostly it's because number two and I were like, look, we got to watch Coach Bryant this year. We got to figure out how we're going to do this. Because I don't want to just listen to it. I want to see it on the field. Okay? So, thought we'd get Sling TV. Because Sling TV is like, hey, we got all your football needs. <laughs> no. No, they did not. They lied. They wouldn't let us watch local, like, the TCU game. It was on Fox, not Fox Sports. Big difference. Sling. Oh, yeah. You can watch that. So we do the 30-day, you know, trial. And uh, whatever their trial period was. Pull up the game. It's like Iowa State and someone. Like, what the fuck? Whoa, 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 whoa. Turns out it was on Fox, not Fox Sports 1. So I'm like, fine. Give me my local channel. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't let you watch your local channels. They're blacked out in your area. I'm sorry. Give me my money back. So we ponied up, got YouTube TV. And honestly, I don't know if we'll keep it all through the football season. We signed up. They're like, hey, you got three weeks free. And then like 50% off your first three months or something like that. I looked at my son and I'm like, hey, you want to chip in for half? He's like, yes. In fact, just take my money now, Dad. <laughs> so we signed up for YouTube TV gonna watch as many games as we can and hopefully that's the whole season might not be if it's not, it's not, you know but no, oh, it's great to be a Buffs fan 
But, I mean, you look at their schedule, and I don't have it memorized. Like, our next three games is something like Oregon, USC, Arizona State. And I want to say UCLA. Maybe they're a little further down. Either way, through... You know, I haven't looked right now. Prior to prior to Saturday, Pac-12 had eight ranked teams in the top 25 for a conference that is dissolving and going away because it's a laughing stock. That's a pretty good start. <clears throat> but anyway, we got a lot of tough opponents, okay? Like I said, if we went undefeated, it'd be by the grace of God. Grace of God. I still think they're an eight-win team because... We're pretty thin on the defensive line. We're a different team without Travis Hunter. He's out for three weeks. Okay? The earliest he'll be back might be Arizona State. Might. Um, and that's a difference maker against teams like Oregon and USC. So some other guys got to step up, carry the water. Um, but yeah, I mean... Honestly, it is conceivable, and you're going to say, well, you don't really believe that. But it is conceivable that the Buffs could come out of this, you know, three and three, four and two. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's six and oh, maybe. But we know Oregon, even though they had a tough out against uh, Texas Tech, Oregon's Oregon, okay? Very rarely do they have an off game. Very rare. USC, pretty much same team from last year. They're a juggernaut. <clears throat> Utah, later in the year, absolute juggernaut. Utah is like the blend of new football and old football. Because they'll line up and slap you in the face. They will. They'll just rear back, punch you right in the mouth and say, now what, bitch? But, uh, at the same time, they'll put the skirt on and do the whole fancy stuff. So they're like a hybrid. Arizona State and Arizona, you never know what you're going to get. Okay? You don't know what you're going to get. UCLA, Chip Kelly's there. And you can say what you want. Chip Kelly still has his blur offense clicking along. Okay? It's still something you got to respect. I'm trying to think of the other games we got left in the schedule. <clears throat> But, you know, it's very conceivable for losses. Very conceivable. Not gonna lie. But hey, four losses, we go eight and four after we're going one and 11, and everyone before the season started, almost everyone, even though there's so many homers in the bandwagon now, but almost everyone going, yeah, CSU or CU, they might win three games if they're lucky. Yeah. We're going to lose. Okay, don't get me wrong. We're going to lose. And boy, how sweet would it be to cruise in, coming back home in two weeks to USC and be 4-0. But, got to focus on Oregon first. They're going to be a tough out, especially up there in Eugene. Oh, that place is a hellhole to play in. So... Enough about football. <clears throat> I'll dial it back a little. Step off my horse. Bid you guys a farewell. 
Talk to you later.